Podcast. I am Ray Ray, and I uh, guess you know I'm back here in the studio all by myself. Um, but if you look in the lower corner, if you're on the live cast right now, you see a wonderful picture of uh, two fine-looking gentlemen in the bubble, and that is because we have Daddy and Son Van Bebber. So you know my normal buddy co-host you know he's always on the road he's always busy he's always having fun but this time he's actually enjoying family and that's why we have daddy van beber on the shows because son van beber went to be home for the holiday so how are you guys doing this evening we are doing good we are here actually in the house that i spent the majority of my time in this is the uh I'm actually in my sister's old room but it doesn't look anything like it here with my dad at the parsonage in Riley, Kansas. So, yeah. And Dad, uh, so Adam, real quick, uh, you know, for those who listen to the podcast, I don't know if they know, my dad is, uh, in November, he was pastor here at Crossroads Baptist Church for 35 years, actually. They celebrated his 35th anniversary, which was pretty cool. Uh, Yeah. So, Dad, tell us just a little bit about what's going on in ministry and uh, in your life. Obviously, we want to hear a little bit about those things before we just jump right into Psalm 91. So you know, haven't had a little chit-chat before, but I think some of that is good for those who listen to the podcast regularly as well. So well, I'm excited to be in this building that we're in. It was uh, originally a Fort Riley temporary structure for World War II. It was moved to this location in 1972. The Baptists bought the property and the two buildings. Uh, just a few feet away from us is where we worship on Sunday. And then for 15 years, uh, the most of the first 15 years of Dave's life, uh, he grew up in this, in this building with our home, the parsonage. Uh, they gave us a home. That's a neat story, incredible story. A lady, not a member of our church, just a lady here in Riley, just said, hey, I like you and your wife. I'm leaving you my house when I die. She died and left her house. So we were able to convert this building into educational space and fellowship hall. And we had this big fire in January. And it's we're like 95% remodeled. And it's, it's good to be in this building. Uh, let's see. About me in ministry, the up 35 years. I've also pastored another little congregation in Astoria. I've been there 27 years. I uh, do two services on a Sunday. I... And uh, let's see, I just love my family, my grandkids. I love being a pastor. I'm a bivocational pastor. I've always been bivocational. <clears throat> Currently, I am the transportation director at the uh, Valley County Public Schools. So oh, I've right. been for over 20 years, and now I'm a transportation director. And it's, uh, it's, it's good to, I just, God speaks to me all the time. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's, it's awesome to, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we see a lot of things and hear a lot of things about, you know, uh, like big city, uh, pastors and what they're, um, doing and all that kind of stuff. But we do miss, um, a lot of stuff from the rural, 
pastors and stuff like that and the, and how they get into the community and all that kind of stuff. So it's wonderful um, to hear what you um, have been doing for years and that you are serving your community. You're not just, uh, you know, sitting on a high horse, um, just showing up on a Sunday and, you know, collecting your, your uh, money from the plate and all that kind of stuff. But you are a true servant. And uh, we, you know, I'm thankful to hear about people like you um, who serve up the word on Sunday, who, who love a congregation, who guide a congregation from point A, you know, wayward, lost to point B, to point them to Christ who takes them the rest of the way. Um, and then while you're doing that, you know, you're driving buses, you're in the community and it's really awesome. You know, a rural uh, pastor really gets a chance to um, get into a community like that. Uh, but, you know, those things kind of go um, unnoticed which I mean, that's totally a, a biblical thing is, you know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, or I guess the opposite way. Um, but anyway, just uh, appreciate guys like you and knowing that guys like you um, that have been called to ministry are doing ministry. So thank you again for, you know, we haven't had you, um, Daddy Daddy Beber, we haven't had you on the show. Um, we didn't have you sh- this year or the last year or something like that. We had you the previous couple years. And so we're glad to have you back and not just to have you back. Um, but for the podcast listeners, uh, we're recording, uh, two topics today, which will be two podcasts, um, coming up. So you'll be on two podcasts, uh, separately to sort of make, make, uh, make up for that. Right. <laughs> so Adam, I think that I was, I did not do, do a whole lot of homework on this or looking, but I remember it was probably, in fact, I think it was in either 2017 or 2018, my dad came on on this exact day. Oh, wow. If I remember right, with too bad. Dustin uh, Smith, Darren Smith. Darren, Darren Smith, Smith, yes. And they discussed soteriology and ministry and had a dialogue, you know, kind of a moderated dialogue. Not so much of a debate because it was actually more trying to make a argument from both sides that you – could have a different soteriology and actually work together in yeah. ministry in a good way. <laughs> Man, that has been a long time. <laughs> I, I think, it, well, yeah, at the end of 17. I think it was the end of 17, our first year. And now I don't know if he's been on since then. I, yeah. I called in on your 100th or whatever. That's right. I did say, yeah. hey, enjoy your show. And again, I, I love the the one-on-one when I hear a guy's, and so far so mostly women, I, I mean, mostly guys. There was a gal who got saved and shared with the, the lady who left witchcraft and mysticism, mm-hmm. but uh, most of the guys I've got changed their life. They were a Jehovah Witness. They were part mm-hmm. of unity. They were in this group and that group, and God called them out and awesome. uh, walked with the Lord. Those those types of I, I'm just a sucker for those types of stories. I, I love to yeah. hear about someone's salvation. Uh, you yeah. tell me how you got saved. I'm listening. Uh, you tell me how you're working with God, how you're sharing the gospel. I'm, I'm all ears. Yeah. And yeah. so those are the those are my very favorite episodes. So, but we're not gonna do that today. So, so yeah. So we're, we're we're hosting you now. And so Adam, um, we're gonna actually spend the first program here today looking directly at scripture, doing something that we don't always just do. Yeah, we've so, been we've been uh, doing it a lot more lately, which is. Awesome. So I'm really, really happy about these. So with that said, let's just jump into Psalm 91. But before we jump into it, Adam, why Psalm 91? Why are we going to talk about Psalm 91? Obviously, we're hosting my dad on here because he's, you know, he's preached through Psalm 91, probably spent more time preaching in the Psalms than sermons I've given in my life. 
But likewise, you know, we're taking advantage of me getting to hang out with my dad. And that's that's always fun, too. That's right. Why Soul 91? Why did this call you? What called your attention to it, by the way? Yeah, yeah. So um, just to just put this show into context now, um, you know, and I, I guess the common thread is uh covid and these these next two episodes um so uh we sort of had just a big year of covid we've talked about it and we've kind of dropped out a little bit but here we're we're back we're going to end the year um talking with uh covid issues i guess uh anyway to sort of end it wrap it up um wrap it up really rejoicing but um there are definitely as always apologetical issues to deal with so um what's going on here is uh the context that i really wanted to speak to um is the fact of um uh, we have a um a, what is called a blow a global pandemic right um there's sickness everywhere it's knocking on everybody's door everybody um is afraid other than the people who think it's a hoax or whatever i mean this is a divisive issue and so um when it comes down to it um there are a group of i would say a group of people um that you could call a uh, the, you know, I, I, the name it, claim it type mentality. Um, so they're going back here to Psalm 91 and they're going, I am claiming Psalm 91. There is sickness at the door. It could be, it could get anybody, but it's not going to come get me. You know why? Well, Psalm 91 says so, and I'm claiming it. And really it comes from, um, you know, we'll read the whole thing, but if you look at Psalm 91, if you look at verse three, it says, um, he will, he himself will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive plague. That's the word it uses there. And then you get into six and seven, the plague that stalks in the darkness or the pestilence that ravages at noon, though a thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. Um, So they're taking these um, and then going, that is COVID-19 and it is not coming near my tent. It is not coming near me. I will not get it. I am claiming Psalm 91. I've heard this a few times and I'm sitting here going, you can't do that. And so, you know, yeah. So this is out of fear um, of everything. And so this is kind of like the last hope, but then it becomes arbitrary and it just becomes false hope. And so this is why we really need to talk about it. It's really false hope that might end up in a shipwreck. And let's just discuss some general things about the Psalms. I think Mm -hmm. are always a really helpful reminder. And that is one reason we have my dad on here. Uh, what is Psalms? Daddy Psalms, Beber. A collection, a large collection that uh, God inspired and was central to, to worship, the Jewish worship. It really is their song book. Uh, it contains uh, several different types of songs. Back in, if I was back in Old Testament and seminary, I probably need to list the different types of psalms that people have identified, but they're just people identified psalms. So that's not all that essential to understanding that these are things that people sang to. We don't have any tunes. We don't have no, we have zero musical notation. Some people have, have said, well, the salah that appears occasionally might be a, a musical notation. But it is worship music, the, the, the biblical worship music. Now, I love singing. Uh, I'm not a good singer at all, but I love singing. Uh, whether it's just a closer walk with me or face to face with Christ my Savior. I love the old hymns, but these are even older hymns. Yeah. And, you know, Paul uh, told the uh, uh, Colossians, you were singing and making melody in your heart, singing 
hymns and spiritual songs. These songs are what they would sing. And yeah. so great things to meditate on, uh, to memorize. I mean, when I was in Sunday school as a little kid, boy, you would memorize the 23rd Psalm and they'd give you a little placard. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and there's a reason why the 23rd Psalm is memorized because it brings peace to people's heart. It, it, it directs them to trust God. And so the, the Psalms, multitudinous, 150 of them as they are, and shortest book in the Bible, shortest chapter in the Bible, Psalms 117. Yeah. Longest chapter in the Bible, Psalms 119. Lots of things in there that just guide us. And, and Jesus loved the Psalms. Jesus quoted the Psalms. The apostles quoted the Psalms. Oh, yeah. Obviously, God's word, obviously, things we can look back to and say, here is what God is saying. I need to let that work on my heart and minister to me. Yeah. And you'd also say, you know, the Psalms. Um, the book that we have isn't the only place to find songs. You know, we, we see them, yeah. um, you know, Mary sings one, right. And the new Testament, right out of the gate after Christ, um, is announced, um, Moses himself, um, you know, he ha- has a Psalm there. So we see Psalms, uh, written throughout even the scriptures other than the book of Psalms. It's just like you said, this is a collection of a national, um, you know, this is Israel, um, we were talking about and their songs that they sung and, uh, you know, just to kind of give a little bit more, um, <clears throat> out there, there are multiple types of Psalms. There's Thanksgiving, or let me see here. We've got, we've got, Ooh, hymns, like you had said, uh, David, daddy, David. Anyway, it's, re- it's really hard to figure out, uh, what I should call, <laughs> call you guys. <laughs> you said David senior, David yeah. junior. So senior. Yeah. So as you called him, you said hymns, um, there's laments. Uh, there's Thanksgiving Psalms, there's uh, Psalms of Confidence or Trust, uh, Kingship Psalms, Wisdom Psalms, and uh, I think, yeah, that's that's pretty much hits all the category of Psalms. So, you know, they're, they're categorized. This is a very systematic um, songbook. Um, just you know, one to- of the things that I always, I recently just preached on uh, the hundredth Psalm after the, the week after Thanksgiving. I, I had a little bit of a spot for a nice, you know, one-off sermon, which is normally it's not something that I do. But uh, I thought, oh, this will be a nice little, um, you know, I was going to actually I spent the entire month preaching on the doctrine of the incarnation in Christology very directly. You know, very, uh, you know, that was something that I really keyed in on at First Baptist. But right before that, I had that one week where I was like, OK, I want to jump into, you know, the Advent right when we get in December I've got this little little bridge between I'm moving from John into the incarnation. Hey, let me jump into a Thanksgiving psalm, preach Psalm 100. And one of the things I always remind people when I uh, preach from the psalms is we've got Jesus's hymn book here, and we have the hymn book of the early church. Yeah. But there's a key in that. Those particular psalms were written within a particular historical context. Yeah that had a particular application to what was going on, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, When I have a better understanding of when, uh, for example, I I believe it is the, and you know, many of our Bibles give us these nice little pieces, but, uh, and off the top of my head, I can't remember uh, this, but when we read the Psalm, about David and his grief after he... 51. 51. I did yes. know it right. Man, yes. I feel so good. Uh, but when we read Psalm 51, we are like, we have a better understanding of like the specific 
truth that David is claiming for himself. And likewise, there is an application to us, but it doesn't mean that that is us who yeah. is saying the psalm. And that's one thing that I try to remind people when we read the 23rd Psalm, like there is a particular understanding, like this was a true statement to David in a particular time, but there is a extended application about God's, uh, of who God is to us. And that's one of the things that I really appreciate in the way you're negotiating Psalm 91 and why we wanted to talk about this, Adam. Yeah. Um, yeah. It makes me really glad to jump into that. Yeah. So, and so we, we know that we have multiple authors of the Psalms. I mean, we've got uh, David, yes. Asaph, you know, uh, Psalm 90 right before this says Moses. Um, you know, there's multiple ones, there's anonymous ones or whatever, but we got to understand, yeah, this is a national um, edited together uh, book of Psalms. Um, it was done that way. You know, men who were guided by the Holy Spirit did these things. The Holy Spirit was active between both covenants, um, doing the work um, of God and every, well, being God, but doing the work of God because, you know, Trinitarian issues <laughs> here. Um, but anyway, so we, we have that. And, and so we can know because some of the markers um, textually, you know, there's, the textual tradition, which again, yes, tradition, but at the same time, it's that would in Israel, that would really be inspired tradition. Um, in that sense, you can't claim that for the new covenant again, a discontinuity. Um, but you know, we have that in the text. Um, and so, you know, we, we know that Psalm 91 was written by Moses. Uh, a lot of people like to kind of say, you know, Psalm 91 here, um, doesn't have an author named like Psalm 90, but we can kind of um, look at the surrounding Psalms um, because they would have organized them together in a certain way. Um, so, you know, like when it comes to Psalm 99, we're gonna, 91, we're going to say um, Moses wrote it. And then there's, you know, like internal evidence that we can kind of point to and we can get into that here in just a minute. But, um, you know, people wrote the Psalms. This is, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, this is kind of our side, the, the human side looking up at God and lamenting to him, praying to him, um, you know, just all those categories of Psalms, um, because this is meant for us to God worship, um, on this side, but it does declare condescension truths, um, that can only be known had God spoken and revealed himself to man. Um, so you guys, uh, what do you, so you guys want to get straight into Psalm 91 or do you have any more sort of notes on, uh, who wrote them? How do we know? The, the the authorship again. It's it's not specified. Those yeah. those uh, little subheadings that are in most of our Bibles for many of the Psalms. I was reading somewhere this uh, this past week where uh, the Dead Sea Scroll, one of the one of the scrolls, at least one of the scrolls in the Dead Sea Scrolls, had those those names. I mean, the, the, you know, Psalm of David, Psalm of Asaph, a little uh, subheading. Yeah. So those go way back. Yeah. Uh, now. When when Moses or David or Asaph or Solomon wrote a psalm, did they sign it that way? I don't know. But they, they do have a good background. I, I just surveyed a bunch of, of old commentaries, and authorship for this psalm was, oh, it has to be David. Oh, it, it's actually David and Solomon and the Lord having a conversation. And, yeah. oh, it must be, and then they'll, they'll pick the next person they like think it could be. So, you know, whether it's uh, Moses, David, David, and Solomon, or some other writer, 
they were inspired and it speaks to my heart. I know that. Yeah. Cause there's always the, the, the fact that, you know, there is the Holy spirit who authored them all and God is the great storyteller that puts things together. So, you know, even if there is a doubt on the human side, there's never a doubt on the, uh, on the, uh, eternal side. So we have one author, um, using, utilizing men over the centuries, uh, to put these together and, you know, the, the awesome, uh, internal consistency between, um, this, all the old Testament, um, books, all the new Testament books, uh, whenever you do Toda scriptura is beautiful. Um, you know, and it is, it is again, as the tag anyway, this is our starting point, uh, for knowledge. So, um, yeah, I guess what I'll do is uh, just go straight into Psalm 91. Let me read it um, for yes, everybody, and then we can we can attack it here. So um, Psalm 91 says, and this is from the CSB anyway, so uh, the one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say concerning the Lord who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, he himself will rescue you from the bird trap from the destructive plague. He will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in the darkness or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. But you have made the Lord my refuge, the Most High, your dwelling place. No harm will come to you, no plague shall come near your tent, for he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent because he uh, has or because he has his heart set on me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. He will call or he, or when he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. So that's Psalm 91. So, um, again, I, I think I forgot one point here, um, also added to the list of the context anyway, is, uh, Psalm 9110. Yeah. No harm will come, come to you. Uh, no plague will come near your tent. So with that context in mind, what say you on claiming this Psalm to say that COVID will not enter your house or enter your tent or come near you? because you believe it and claim it for yourself. Well, this psalm is, is, is historically it's been called the soldier psalm. Hmm. And a, a soldier would quote this, memorize it, and quote it, because they wanted, their trust was in the Lord. So uh, my daughter Hannah, when her husband first went to Iraq, she would pray this psalm I think, almost every day mm-hmm. for her husband, for his protection. So, does God offer protection? Well, he says he does, says he's going to put us, we're, we're safe in him. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to get sick. It doesn't mean we're not going to die. It doesn't mean that we might not suffer some horrific end. 
But what it does mean is God is with us. That I love that one there, but toward the end, uh, he's going to be with me in trouble. And so when I've been in trouble, God's always there. So being close to God offers multiple blessings. If I'm in his word, if I'm, we're having conversations every day and throughout the day, if I, God is speaking to me in worship and, and my ministry, those are multiple blessings. I think that's what, what Jesus is saying, that he, he comes to give us life there in John 10, 10 B. I, I'm going to give you life, life to the full. You be with me. And, and he read Paul's letters. He's not down about the things that he's had to go through. Why? Because he's close to God. God's with him. It doesn't mean the rocks didn't hurt or the whip didn't hurt or the water wasn't wet when it was thrown overboard. He thought, guess who was with him? He didn't need to be afraid. Because God was with him and all that. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a line that, that people cross, unfortunately, where they use it is is a talisman. I think that's the right word. This is supernatural power to, to get me through this. Um, and uh, like putting the Bible in your backpack. Never reading it, but I got a Bible in my backpack. It's gonna keep me safe. Yeah. Well, it's not usually how that works. <laughs> Yeah. But being close to God, I love I do love the song. It's it's a great song. And when I'm close to God, he, he his blessings are multitudinous. And and that fellowship and that fellowship are linked together. Draw near draw near to me and I what? I'll draw near to you. John James 4, 4 8. So boy, being close to God, it's awesome. Doesn't give you a get out of jail free card. Yeah. Or Paul when you're in jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I like, I, I like what you said there, um, you know, talking about doesn't mean you're not going to get sick or anything like that. And I think uh, there's some really good indicators here um, in the text that we really need to look at, uh, especially verse three. It says he himself will, will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive pestilence. So it sounds <laughs> like if you look at the text here, looks like. From you, you are in the bird trap, and he rescues you, rescues you out of it. He uh, finds you in side of the destructive plague, and he rescues you from it. So it's not that he keeps you from it; he sees you in it and rescues you from it. Right, and then we go down. Though a thousand fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. Um, you'll only see it um, with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. And so whenever we look at that, um, you see the punishment of the wicked, but what does that make you? Righteous. So you're not going, this, so this is a different context than just normal yeah. sickness. This has to deal with sin, right? And then we well, get, the origin of, of sickness certainly is sin, and we can do certain sins to bring on certain illnesses, uh, AIDS, uh, the, the AIDS uh, epidemic, for the most part, was brought on by certain sin. Now, the lady got blood transfusion, and it was tainted with AIDS, or the faithful wife who was infected by her unfaithful husband, uh, their actions weren't wrong, that yet they still got sick. So, there's this, I always think it's so interesting that somehow I, I see this in this illness so much. Oh, you know, when President Trump got it, oh, he deserved it. You know, 
these people deserve it. And, and if someone gives it to they lie, well, someone did that to them. It's their fault. I think about President Reagan when he was president and the AIDS epidemic broke out. And I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, if Reagan had just cared more, these people wouldn't have had to die. It's just because Reagan didn't care. That's why the AIDS epidemic killed so many people. Folks, illness is a result of sin's presence in the world. And our proximity to those people that have that illness or the injury that we endure in our life. But we live in a fallen world where sin exists. And because sin exists, we're going to have illness and injury and death, ultimately. Yeah. So to say, well, if you're, see, what a, what a burden put on somebody. If you were in one of these churches that said, oh, you just need to claim Psalm 91. And what happens if you get sick? Yeah. Who are you going to tell? Not the Ghostbusters. Yeah. And nobody in your church either. <laughs> or you can go the other way and you go, you know what? I got sick. God didn't protect me. He doesn't exist. He's not real. Um, if he is, then he lied and he's malevolent. Uh, whatever it is, you know, um, that, that's, that's what's at stake here. And so, you know, like I've seen, um, somebody who claims Psalm 91 will not let people into her house because she might get COVID. Right. And so you'll, you know, it's one of those things that then there is that, that, uh, I guess you could say that, uh, philosophical or, um, psychological schizophrenia there, um, with this issue. Um, so, you know, so you, you, you'll, you'll, there's a difference between principle and practice. We want to claim it. It's, it feels nice. Um, but it's not, uh, you know, it can't be practical. Um, and so if that's not the case, scripture being true, then this is not speaking, um, into that like that. Um, and so we really need to understand for one, um, whenever we do wonderful expositional preaching, um, David, I think it was David Helm. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that yeah, we, we saw, all yeah. we all three saw David yeah. Helm. By the way, <laughs> yeah, he wrote here. He's wrote a wonderful book for nine marks. If you get in the expositional preaching part, I know Dever has that in the nine marks of a healthy church book. But then he's David Helm is the one that wrote the little small book um, on it, and so he kind of gives you this uh, little instead of going from text to context, um, or and, and contextualizing from from uh, the scripture straight to the person you have to kind of go a long way around and so you have to go them then straight up to theological reflection over to then get to us now um and so i just you know i wanted to offer a little bit um because the common thread um that's we're talking about tonight is a covenantal redemptive hermeneutic a triune covenantal redemptive hermeneutic and so we got to understand that this was written in the old testament right so it's yeah, going to, it there might be some discontinuity uh, between I, I, these things. I think it's important though, that this Psalm is, is pretty big on protection. Yes. So we need to celebrate God's protection. Yes. Which is we, a, and so that, that we don't want to downplay that. I mean, I, I look back at second Corinthians 11, 23 and 29, where Paul has that long list of everything he's had to suffer. Yeah. Yet God spared his life. Yeah. So was he was he unfaithful? No, he was faithful. Yes. With the rocks and the whips and the beatings and the imprisonments and the gold out food and the gold being cold and being in danger, all that was real, but he still had God's peace. God has me in this. Yeah. So I think we too often want to uh leap one too far one way or the other. The other person says, Well, I'm gonna claim this, there's so nothing will ever happen to me. Well, gee, you you know, I always think about James, the son of Zebedee, 
He, he got his head cut off. Where was God's protection there? It was. God was with him. God was with him right up, right up into the moment that sword or axe took his head off his body. Yeah. And he got to go to glory. Yeah. Right then. So yep. was he protected? You know, Peter gets out of jail. How's that fair? You know, I always tell people, if you want fair, go to the county fairground the first last weekend in July. <laughs> they got a fair there every year. <laughs> but you're not, that's the only place you're going to get fair. And they didn't really have that this year. So that yeah. part of they <laughs> yeah. did. It was a short fair. Anyway, but I think we celebrate his protection. The oh, yeah. Center, but know that he's with me. No matter. If I'm walking with him, he's always with me. Whether yeah. If it's upset, hill to get crucified or beaten and shot uh, I think of the, the folks at uh, Midwestern, the, 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 the Edel and Kohnmeyer Center. Yeah, those two people, those two missionaries, they were serving God, and, and they got gunned down. You know what? God was with them all the way. Yeah. And so we we, we got to rejoice in that God's with us, whether we're sick or or well. Celebrate God's nearness. That's what I that that's me is is the, is the key here. And Adam, there was a key, and I, I want to make sure that I'm connecting both of these things because there is a reality where Moses is speaking this of how he has seen God protect his people, protect him. I believe there's clear indications here when in verse four, when he talks about under his wings, I find refuge. Mm-hmm. I believe that that is uh, at least for me, even re- even not knowing anything about anyone looking at the background. Under the shadow of your wings. What is that? Well, if I remember the things that Moses has talked about in Exodus and in the creation of the Ark of the Covenant, obviously there's, at least to me, a visual appeal, a description of where does God dwell? I want to be where God dwells. And so as as I think about that element and how Moses could claim this on his life, on the Jewish people's life, I also think that trying to do, uh, I would hope, a biblical uh, theology and understanding of this, that there's this application that is also pointing me to Christ in the new covenant and the way that the triune God in Christ Jesus, and then now within the Holy Spirit dwelling with us is, you know, as Christ says in the farewell discourse in John, uh, you know, I'm going, and so I'm going to send you the helper. Uh, I, I don't particularly like the way that it says comforter there, uh, because we often think about that as comfort in a different way than what it actually meant in Old English, right? And so actually it's a protector, right? Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is described that way. And so it's interesting because Moses could see, using that uh, that Trinitarian hermeneutic, Moses could see how God— had been with them and fulfilled these things in God the Father in the way that the covenantal God had made himself known to the people of Israel. And in Christ Jesus, he promises to never leave us or forsake us. He is, uh, again, a eternal protector of our souls. But then even now within the Holy Spirit, we have a presence within him uh, because we can say that he is our dwelling place, right? We can take our refuge in him as the comforter. And so I, I see, at least for me, a Trinitarian uh, picture here drawn in the way that this would be understood in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant in its application uh, in totality. Does that make sense, Adam? Oh, it totally makes sense. You know, And so like, you know, what I really want to get back there is uh, you know, what you've both done here 
is that um, you have old covenant, you have new covenant. We have continuities, we have universals that we can talk about, um, but then we have particulars. And so the mm. covenant becomes the subject, you know, what, what the promises, um, or at least the particulars are subjected to, are to the covenant promises of, again, the old covenant and the new covenant. Yet, you know, again, we have to always look at um, continuities and discontinuities. Uh, the issue with the old covenant is, is God was preserving a line to lead up to Christ's birth. And then after that, you know, that's whenever we are birthed anew um, because of Christ, he, him being the first fruits. Um, so there's a lot more probably life sparing going on in certain situations. <laughs> if you really think about it uh, in a fallen world um, and then you get to Christ. And so, you know, there, again, there's a, there's a missional uh, discontinuity though. There are continuities as well that we got to look at um, between the, the two covenants and especially the new covenant being the better covenant and everything. But whenever it comes down to it, the new covenant documents say that what, what, what is What, what happens to a person? We die. It is appointed for everyone to die once and then the judgment. So we're all going to die. No matter what takes us out, we're all going to die. So God's not going to protect us from death and death needs a cause for that to happen. <laughs> and so again, we can't even, uh, if you even get to just a philosophical, um, sort of notion to where, um, if you're just philosophically going through these things, I mean, you're an image bearer, you know, enough to, uh, render you unexcused. You could probably do some, some good notes about that and be like, I'm not going to be spared from death. Um, and so, you know, whenever we claim things going like, you know, there's this big happening going on, I'm not going to die from this. And it's like, well, how do you know? And then you claim Psalm 91. There's a key thing here, you know, as I, my preparation was not uh, as in-depth as you and my dad's. I'm going to confess today. All right. uh, I read the treasury of David, Spurgeon's The Treasury of David. Beautiful. But as I actually listened <laughs> to it, right, as I was driving today, uh, by God's grace, I completed all of my classes that I was teaching. All of my grading is done. God's been so good to me to let me do those things. But as I was driving to Kansas, uh, I was listening to the treasury of David being read. And I was just drawn to the way Spurgeon talked about verses nine and 10, which to me, Adam, seems to be the part that we're most concerned about. Yeah. Uh, God bless any of our charismatic friends, but God only bless them by giving them eyes to see and hearts to discern God's word and understand it appropriately and apply it appropriately. And this is an issue that I think is really key because I love the way that Spurgeon talks about this. He basically says that in, the, in 1854, right, there's a cholera outbreak in his area in yeah. London. And he's going, ready? While sickness is going on, by the way, he's going bedside to bedside, the bedside to bedside, right? And he's praying. Let me just put this. Christians are the type of people when the building is burning down, we should be running in to save people, right? Uh, when, and I loved it, when we knew nothing about COVID-19, we're talking about in February, right? Yeah. There's an IMD missionary that I know, right? Uh, he has been a missionary to China. 
I'm not going to say, you, you don't want to say too much on these things. And he sends this picture headed back to China. And that was right. I mean, we're talking in February when we didn't know anything. We thought it be, could be killing everyone. Oh, hey, Dave, headed let me stop you China. right there. I'm just going to let that? you know something real quick. I'll be right back. Keep going. Uh, he heads into China, right? And I'm thinking, what? And I was like, you know what? That is the root of the Christian worldview. We are not afraid of these things. And I love the way that Spurgeon says it. Uh, he's going bedside to bedside, and he's going funeral to funeral. And where does he He goes up, according to his story, to basically uh, a shoemaker's window, right? And he says, on Dover Road. And he looks on this announcement, just written in handwriting, thinking that it might be some type of like a job, you know, posting. And it says, of course, he's reading it in in KJV, uh, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. And Spurgeon is making note that immediately he is reminded of the truth that because God is near, because his dwelling place is ultimately with God, that there really is no fear. And so what was his actual hope? And this is what I see. Moses's hope wasn't in, oh, hey, God had protected us and given us this land. It was actually, I am walking in God's way. And as a Christian, looking at it from the salvific element, Christ has secured our salvation. The testimony is that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Our dwelling place is secure. Our yeah. refuge is there. Therefore, we don't have to worry about any ultimate evil, right? Yeah. And that's the type of fearlessness that sends you into the fire, right, to save people or the diseased bedside to go and, and be with people. And I will say very directly uh, we, we uh, maybe switching gears a little bit, but we were frustrated with our, our dear friend uh, Doug Ritchie at the Southern Baptist Annual or the Missouri Baptist Annual meeting. He has done an excellent job of saying, you know what? If doctors can be at the bedside of people for their physical health, there is no reason that a pastor is should not be allowed into the nursing homes and into the hospitals. That is doing great spiritual damage. And yeah. I think that that is a key thing here. Christians are called to remind other Christians, and we're not getting that with this current COVID pandemic, right? But we're called to the bedside to remind people that ultimately their hope is secure if their salvation is right. And, of course, that's where I find uh, Spurgeon in verses 9 and 10 just making an excellent comment. So, yeah, sorry, yeah, that's, and and that's what I found. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, that's that. So did you read that quote while I was gone? That I had. I didn't read all of it. Okay. Go for yeah. it if you'd like. Uh, I did not <laughs> no. read the quotation actually. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I mean, there's there's one special thing got in here, but you know, just just again, let's go back back in the time. Okay. So, um, there is progressive revelation until it com- culminates in Christ. Mm, yes. Um, Hebrews one one starts right out of the gate. Yep. You know, fathers and prophets. Jesus Christ. He is the fullest revelation. This is why, um, you know, we can sing the song, uh, how firm a foundation. Cause, uh, what does that song say? Whenever we sing that song, we say, what more can he say than to you? He has said, right? right. So we have in Christ in his teaching, which then he, whenever he prayed in John 17 to the father, um, he prayed for his disciples 
And then he prayed for the people who believed the word of the disciples that he prayed for, right? Um, right. So again, the word goes out from Christ and then to us through them. They were the means that God, or that Christ, or well, God used um, to get to us. They wrote letters and books that we have today. So we have the direct to the apostle uh, revelation um, as they were guided by the Holy Spirit after Christ left and sent the comforter, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit um, to dwell in them for the special purpose of doing what they did, ministering the gospel to the Jews and to the Gentiles. Um, So we get there, um, but back in the old times, they really didn't know. They were really, they had a lot. I mean, they they had a prior evidence of the Exodus, the parting of the Red Sea, like all these judgments and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's what they had to look back to um, was uh, salvation and judgment, salvation and judgment. Um, That's how God worked. He gave them that. Um, for their faith. But now that we have Jesus Christ, we have the fullness of what we need for faith in all aspects. Jesus is everything, all in all, until the very end, whenever we will see everything um, underneath Christ's rule and reign and subjection, and he becomes all in all um, in that sense. Um, So they didn't really know, but now that we do know, and so we understand what it means. So it's God is our refuge. He will protect us. They didn't really get it. Now we get to get it in hindsight um, from Christ's crucifixion, resurrection, um, and ascension and all that. And so we can say what Charles Spurgeon here quotes. It says, it is impossible that any ill should happen to the man who is beloved of the Lord. The most crushing calamities can only shorten his journey and hasten him to his reward. Again, I wouldn't want to say that that we are poor stewards of our body, just like we don't sin to make grace abound, but the most crushing calamities can only shorten our journey and hasten us to our reward that is guaranteed by Christ. It says, ill to him is no ill, but only good in a mysterious form. Losses enrich him. Sickness is his medicine. Reproach his honor. Death is his gain. We quote that and say that all the time, right? So let's not start claiming Psalm 91 here for the purpose that we're doing it. No well, evil. I, yeah. I was going to say that the, the protection thing is pretty big, though. I mean, yeah. Joshua, I, when I read this, I, I thought right about Caleb in the book of Joshua, chapter 14. He says, God's made this happen. Yeah. He said, That's why I'm 85. I'm just as strong as I ever was. And I want to take the hill country. Because yeah. God is with me. So I think we, we do go boldly forward. I, I think the reason Spurgeon could go house to house was he, he knew God was with him. He knew yeah. he could get sick too. But he knew yeah. whether he got sick or stayed well, yeah. he was walking with yeah. God. He was Either way. Yeah. yeah, and, and that's and what I'm saying. So that, yeah. I think those, those, those incidents, I, I had another one. Oh, uh, Elijah, he talks about the angels. Uh, watching over so we don't step on our, on our, on our uh, you know, we're not going to, his angels will hold us up. And I thought about the first Kings 19, where Elijah is done. I mean, he is done. I just need to die. And yet God sends an angel, feeds him, goes to sleep, wakes up, God sends an angel, no, you got to eat more. You got a lot to do. You got a whole bunch to do. And I'm going to get, so God does bring those people. 
and it could be spiritual beings. I, I've never had, had anybody come up to me to have a you know T-shirt with a name on it. I'm angel. Um, uh, it's not, but I know God wants me and gives me brought people in my life to help me go that next mile. That extra, extra thing I do. Oh God, I've got to do that now. Yes, you do. But I'm going to strengthen you. And Elijah knew that. I mean, those angels showed up, and the angels yeah. showed up for Jesus in the after the temptation. So we can look again. To me, this is a song. This is a song that calls me to keep being faithful. Yeah. The relationship is everything. Uh, you know, I thought about the, how we abide in Christ in John 15. Uh, that if I abide in Christ, man, I can do a lot of things. That God can do a lot of things through me. It's not me. Yeah. It's God. Yeah. But yeah, but it, like I said, yeah, either way here. And, you know, I think this is what's, you know, capturing the issue that should uh, make us walk as if nothing is going to happen, but, but nothing, I mean, like he continues on no evil in the strict sense of the word can happen to him for everything mm-hmm. is overruled for good. Um, yep. So if we were to contract COVID, there's going to be good brought about it uh, out of it. There is no capricious. Yes. There is no gratuitous evil. Now, if you believe that human has libertarian free will and that God can't, you know, he's limited to himself to a certain point, then basically God is letting all this evil happen and gratuitous evil, you know, like it is just gratuitous. It's not necessary evil that's happening, but we can say, no, God is meticulously guiding history to where every, what we would call evil, um, anything that would be against his law that people can do to us or that we can, um, again, correct it really anything, um, coronavirus, whatever. Um, anything that would happen to us will be overruled for good. And it says, happy is he uh, who is in such a case. He is secure whether um, where others are in peril. So listen to this last little line. This is wonderful. He is secure where others are in peril. There's a juxtaposition there. We are secure while others are in peril. So just think about the, your, your, your life right now. Other people are in peril. You are secure. That's right. He lives where others die. That is powerful. What Spurgeon was able to say in the midst of a cholera outbreak and ministering. Even, and so it's one of those things that whenever we think about it, we, we sing it all the time, oh, death, where's your sting? We understand that the last enemy to die is death. So death is still here. We still, again, die once and then the judgment. But the protection is, so I guess the, the question is more of how, how is God going to protect you? And so, you know, we do mm. say, you know, how is God going to protect you? Um, yes. It could be any way. So like, uh, like that, like, like senior over here saying, you know, either way, you know, we go, we go and do the business that we are called to do as disciples who make disciples who make disciples and with the gifts that we have. And we don't uh, let anything in the way. We give God what is God's. And we don't worry about, say, coronavirus catching us. We don't sit here in fear and going, I'm claiming Psalm 91, I'm Psalm 91. You know, it's one of those things we do have is protection, but we don't have it in the way that you're out of fear just going, I'm claiming it. Here's my magical incantation. I'm just going to keep on saying this and I'm not going to get it because guess what? You might. Now, I'm, what I'm saying here is you might get it, and it's going to be for good. Just like Joseph was 
he was picked up by his brothers, threw in a pit, sold into slavery, um, ended up really good for a while, then got uh, um, got uh, false witness, you know, bared about him, ended up in jail, ended up being forgotten about until the right time. Whenever he was put back into a position that ended up, God used him to save many and ended up forgiving his brothers and utilizing, this is where we go, you meant it evil against me, God meant it for good. I had a, a phone conversation just last week with a guy uh, who comes from the name it, claim it, and, he, and he's there. I love this guy. He, he's such a kind guy, great guy. He says, yeah, I go to a church of 5,000, and the blood of Jesus just covers us. We only had a few people get sick. <laughs> what, I thought, I'm thinking, wait a minute. <laughs> If you are claiming that the blood of Jesus will keep you well, what happened to those folks? What, yeah. what did, how did they mess up? And, and I, I didn't, I didn't confront him about it. I, you know, I, I kind of know where his mindset is. He is a good guy, but I, that's that's not what this psalm is saying. No, but it is saying there. There's a God who, when you call on Him, He's there for you. Yeah. He's listening. Whoever yeah. shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. I love that. Romans 10, 13. He's also the guy that gives God who gives a full life to his children. This is long life, but what's a long life? I, you know, I think God gives us the days that, that, that are the best for us, the ones we need. Um, one of the commentaries I looked at talked about Simon in Luke 2, the old man in the temple. And he said, now I've seen this. I've seen the Lord's Redeemer. I can go on. I, I've lived long enough. I don't know if he died the next day or not, but he felt like he had, <laughs> he, he'd seen it all when he saw the baby Jesus in the temple. But yeah. what's long enough? You know, the uh, the Myers and the Cohens who are uh, yeah. Myers ghosts, who are killed in the prime of their life, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, because they're in a Muslim country sharing the gospel. Uh, yeah. did, their, did their life, it went as long as it needed to. God had done his purpose for their life. Well, let's the person say, who dies yeah. at, at 21 or 15, or how about 15 seconds? God knows, and, and there's a purpose, and there's a and there's a beauty in every living life. Every, every life can be a beauty in every life. And there's some ugliness in some lives when people rebel. But yeah. if, if we listen to the Lord and follow him, whether we live to be 18 or 84, uh, you know, God's got a purpose for our life. My dad died at 38. I had a daughter die at 19. Those don't seem like very long lives, but God had a purpose in their life yeah. and he used them for the years they were here. Yeah, so, I mean, we can, we can take, um, you know, like he, uh, there's just two examples in the uh, new new Testament of Christ in his ministry. You have the blind man where it's, you know, explicitly said that this man was born blind mm-hmm. and it wasn't because of sin. Um, yeah. And we know from the testimony of scripture that God causes this stuff. <laughs> you know, and we have to, and that's, we can't be embarrassed by it. You know, it's what God said. And so then also the leper, that's a, that's a plague on a society is leprosy. <laughs> it's communicable and goes everywhere. Yet if we take uh, what we learn from the blind man, we can say the same thing about the leper that Jesus touched and cleaned um, as well. So, you know, God doesn't keep us um, from these things, um, in the way that maybe we want him to, but, uh, he is the all knowing one. He's the one that has, uh, called the end from the beginning, um, and, and everything. And so we can trust him. That's where, why he's our refuge. He knows all, um, he's the one that's, uh, putting all these things together that in the end, whenever, uh, we, uh, 
we uh, come into paradise. So when we, we enter um, the final full kingdom um, where he separates the righteous and the wicked. And he says, welcome, you know, this is what I made. And this is what it's been waiting for you since from before the foundation of the world. Right. Um, and so we can trust that God, um, you know, the protection that we have, even if we get sick, even if we go through hard times, um, the protection is ultimate. Right. And this is again, that that's why I like the beauty of what, how Spurgeon, uh, especially in the midst of, uh, you know, the same sort of context um, that we're in today, um, that he didn't go in fear um, and quoting it as that magical incantation, but realized what God has promised um, and being a, in, in a sense, a realist about it, not necessarily in the, the realist sense of the philosophical realism, but realism, knowing what the reality is that, uh, that God has described um, in scripture. No, I think that that is a key thing. And I like just in summary, a few things right before, because I yeah. think we need to transition into our next program. Uh, those of you watching the live stream will be moving to another program. Those of you listening to the podcast, wait till next week. You'll really enjoy the next show. Or maybe a couple uh, of days. I'm not sure when I'm going to upload these things. <laughs> uh, but I, I want to kind of put a closure on this. Yeah. It is destructive to use this in the sense that, see, I'll never get sick. I'll never, if I just truly believe this is it for me, the most important thing that I can claim is my health. And I love how you said that. Well, the blood of Jesus covers everyone in our church. Well, not everybody. Well, if, if that's the case, then you probably don't understand what it means to be covered by the blood of Jesus correctly. Yeah. Or your application of what it means to be covered by the blood of Jesus needs some serious biblical revision. And what I love here is I don't think for a second that Spurgeon, when you look at his, his, his uh, statements concerning what happened in 1854 and this cholera outbreak, his statements weren't, oh, I know now that I've read this, I'll never get sick. It was, no, I'm reminded of the eternal truth that Christ has saved me and redeemed me. And guess what? The most important thing that needs to be protected, my salvation, it's secure. Amen. And, and that's where I believe Moses even is in saying, we are the Lord's and we have seen and observed and yes. felt the Lord's hands on us in achieving his purposes. And that is what Moses is claiming more importantly as God is achieving his purposes. Spurgeon saw it as God achieving his purposes. And just like, you know, my dad had said, whether you live to be 19, 38, 105, God gives you the years that you're supposed to give. He's supposed to give you and fills them with his fullness as he should. So, yeah, and it's one of those things, said, yeah, and then just the end of it. probably better wrap up this yeah. program and move into the next one. What do you say? Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I just want to say, you know, like, we got to make this self-attesting Christ the hermeneutic. That's and right. It was the Father that protected Christ throughout the whole his, his whole life, and he was the one that was happy to crush him. He was the one that sent him through all the decisions of men from Adam right down to Pilate and the people. Um, that were whipping him and spitting in his face. All those decisions led him to the cross for salvation to then be the ultimate protection. Um, so utilizing that as the lens, now go back and think about Psalm 91 and, and realize the realness and the beauty 
of uh, how God protects us, even if we go through these things. Because if um, if the if the gospel is only for the healthy, then the gospel is no gospel at all. Mm, and so like that. that's that's um, that's the issue. Whenever we um, name and claim this stuff, and we and we play with scripture in that way, you're not you're you're believing a selfish gospel, but not a gospel um, that Jesus brought for all people to hear and repent and believe. So think, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's my two cents to, to end the show. But anyway, um, we'll just go ahead and, uh, end it like the normal show anyway. So, uh, with that said, this has been the tag you podcast. I'm Ray Ray. I'm Dave. And I'm the other Dave. And Sully. Deo. Gloria. <laughs>